Welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast with your charismatic host and prominent safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Be entertained and informed as the Safety Doc discusses both best and bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. The truth will keep you safe. Follow Dr. Perodin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. Well, this is David, and welcome to Safety Doc Podcast number 52. Rhetoric wins as school trip to D.C. canceled over fears of mass shooting. So we're going to get into that in a little bit. First off, um, behind me, for those of you watching this show uh, via YouTube, um, the new signage has arrived. And um, you can see... The safety dock, that's actually done in kind of a street sign format on metal that turned out really well. Um, actually ordered all three of these signs from Walmart and, um, the total price was under $90 for all three. So I, I thought it was really good. These are, these are well made. So if you're looking for signage, background signage, especially if you're doing podcasts, uh, check out Walmart. I had to go on online and then, you know, you can upload your graphics and, and do that kind of stuff. But, uh, these really turned out well. And I've done previous signs, um, through Walmart and have, I've had good luck. So, um, I will be rearranging the background in the next couple days. So by the time we get to the next podcast, it's going to look different. You're not going to see the dumbbell set back there anymore. Obviously, you can kind of understand why it's not easy to move that, considering, you know, there's there's a few hundred pounds of weights on that. Then I have to move down the credenza and, and kind of rearrange that, that room a little bit. I'm going to move the weights closer to the fireplace, which is not, uh, exactly what I want to do, but it's probably the only option I really have down here. So, um, but anyway, yeah, we're going to see more of, of kind of just books in the background. And then the signage is going to be reconfigured. So it's more visible as I'm presenting. Um, so right now it's just kind of setting up there. Um, but we, we do have Sprigio, S-P-R-I-G-E-O, Sprigio.com. Be safe, Sprigio out of Santa Barbara, California. The nation's leader in online safety reporting, um, having to do with schools and bullying, um, uh, threats made in schools. So the leader, Sprigio, S-P-R-I-G-E-O, the exclusive sponsor here of the Safety Doc podcast. I also do produce a monthly, um, release for the, um, Sprigio customers that specifically deals with professional development in safety. So I'm glad to be doing that. Um, an excellent company, an excellent CEO, and Joe Bruzet. So Sprigio.com. If it's not in your kid's school, hey, parents, it should be because it's really a terrific system that is evolving rapidly. Um, you can tell over on the left we have the old safety doc sign. So when you're watching the show on... Um, YouTube, I don't have to keep flashing the graphic up. This is the Safety Doc Podcast. And then also in a much larger format than previous, we have the 405 Media out of Los Angeles, California, who now has been airing the Safety Doc Podcast at 2 p.m. PST for daily for about a year. Um, and it is the League of Extraordinary Podcasters. You can go in there and listen right after I'm Done at 2 o'clock, Aaron Clary and the Clary Podcast comes on at 3. And on the weekends, readily random with Larry Roberts. I also recommend, it's it's not part of the 405 Media, but hey, check out Awareness Podcast. You can just go in, um, awarenesspodcast.com, Hector Solis, um, incredible journalistic professionalism and depth of work. And this is what he does on the side, just as a passion um, but he has done recent shows on bullying, um, sex trafficking, and was a part and continues to be a part of Typical Daddy podcast. But um, can't say enough about the work of Hector. Anything Hector puts out there, I'm like, bing, instant download, um, something I want to listen to, just because the quality of the the research, how the uh, podcast is assembled, and, and then the audio quality is just so good. And, and I really appreciate that. So Hector, thank you for all of the work that you do in bringing awareness to everybody. And also the Sustainable Living Podcast with Marianne West. Um, the Sustainable Living Podcast gets more into, um, 
just how to live life more, I would say, minimalistic um, and simplistic. I love the episodes. I love the guests. She had on recently a guest um, of a tiny house movement. I thought that was fascinating. Uh, Marianne talked about her own um, difficulties when she was updating her home and just trying to find uh, flooring that, that didn't have all these chemicals um, infused in it. And, and she's really genuine, really tell, a great storyteller, has, has terrific guests, and it varies so much. There was an episode of um, a, a man who lived with his family in a hotel room. And they were cooking bologna or something. I mean, they were really down on their luck. I mean, this is all they had left. And he decided he was going to try to, to do something to augment that meal. And he found a mushroom, not a mushroom, a, a um, onion patch um, toward the end of the hotel. So he took some onions and, and put them in. And then just how he, he kind of just turned that all into a, a, a business model of um, asking people if they could plant, you know, like um, flower and um, food gardens on their lawn, and then they would maintain those as long as they could um, obtain part of the the um, harvest from that, and then they would give part of the harvest to the the owner. And and just a, it's just a tremendous podcast, but um, so much. And, and she'll she'll go back, and um, I think Janice Freese um, does it with her. And they'll ground themselves every once in a while. I think it's something we all need to hear because we we get so busy in in life. Um, and it's just it's a really great podcast. It, it's delivered at a, a very comfortable pace, very engaging, and it's different than what I listen to. You know, readily random um, will bring you the the phenomenal interviews. I'm like, how did Larry get these these guests? It's incredible. And and Larry is a true professional. Um, Aaron Clary is is going to be. No nonsense and, and really get down to the economics of, of life and, and, and pulling away any rhetoric of what's really happening, um, in, in society and say, here's, here's what's happening. Here's how you need to, to respond to it. Um, and, and just his own personal stories. Um, I, I've listened to, to all of his, his podcasts. I really appreciate Aaron. I think Aaron's really a, a terrific guy too. I, I, um, I really value. He's he's Captain Capitalism.blogspot.com, so please check him out. Um, so yeah, so we have a primary sponsor for the show, Sprigio.com. You can see the big sign in the back. Again, it's going to be rearranged so you can see it better. And for those of you listening, you're like, "This isn't helping, Dave." Okay, Sprigio, S-P-R-I-G-E-O.com, and then the 405 Media out of Los Angeles, California. So uh, a few things here. Once we get into kind of the anecdotes of the story. Um, so yeah, I had a, had a nice Thanksgiving. We actually stayed home with family, me, my wife, and my my two daughters, which was the first time in a long time. We usually go to my wife's uh, mother or my my wife's mother's place for Thanksgiving. Didn't do that this year, but um, it was nice to to just kind of sit at home and and check out what was going on TV. You know, the Macy's Day Parade and things like that, and it was it was just nice. And uh, Friday. Um, the 24th of November, it was like 66 degrees here in Southern Wisconsin, 66. So normally I'm putting Christmas lights out and my fingers are freezing and they're like just cracking and bleeding as I'm, and then you work with extension cords and once the extension cords get cold, like they do not bend. So it was a perfect day to go out and put out the, all the outside decorations, even to the point where I have 150 foot um, long red rope light, which is a beast to wrap around a tree. You'd think it's easy, but it's not because you kind of have to carry like the, the rope light, um, as you, as you circle around the tree. And then of course, as you do it more and more and more, there's less rope light, it gets easier. But, um, and then I use little twist ties to, to make sure everything stays in place because we get, you know, blizzards once in a while and I don't want everything lying on the, the ground. But you know, it turned out really cool. It's kind of a cool effect. And one of my neighbors like came, over and he's like hey i'm really looking forward to the red lights going up i'm like oh dude i'm not sure i'm going to do that this year but i did um so looking forward to that not sure how long i'll be putting those up um because i don't want to get too high on the ladder i had a friend 
Um, he was a principal years ago that I worked with. Fell off a ladder doing some house housework. I don't know, it was gutters or it was Christmas lights or whatever, but was paralyzed from the neck down. Um, and he, he eventually died, you know, like about 10 years later, he, he was doing some motivational speaking and stuff. But I'm, I mean, so like, I'm, I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm only going to go so high where I feel comfortable and, and that's it. So, uh, but we made it work and it looks pretty cool, um, outside. So one thing I would recommend to you, if you were thinking about buying like rope lights, do not go with the 150 foot option, go with like a 50 foot. I think you can connect them. Like if you really want to, but um, it's just, it was just too hard to manage, especially if you're swirling it around a tree. But like I said, it's a really cool effect. It's the only kind of look like that in our neighborhood. Um, last year when I put these up, it literally was hours before a blizzard hit our community. So I got the last part of the lights up and one of the neighbors was like walking by and he's like, Hey, great timing because like an hour, literally an hour from now, like the storm hit, you know, like that's how close it was. So I got them up and, you know, things were okay, but, oh, it was just so nice. Literally, I was in, I was in shirt sleeves. I had a t-shirt on and I felt warm. It was a warm breeze and, uh, wow, it was just a phenomenal day. So rare in Wisconsin, like just so rare because usually, and I pull up the steel deer, which we've had for like 20 years. These things are heavy duty. So you, you know, you get your exercise, lift them up. And the, the lights die over time and they have white lights on white deer. So then you just like rope new ones on top of the dead ones. So now they have like eight layers of lights on them. And you know, you can't tell when they're lit up at night, but during the day, it's like, what, what's the deal? So eventually, like I've got to disconnect all these lights and take them off or like just cut all these things off and kind of start over again. But, um, but that's when they made these things. I mean, these things are made industrial tough. Now the motors don't all work. Like the heads don't move up and down and things like that, but it's okay. Like the effect still looks really good. So I'm pretty excited about that. They turned out pretty well. And then I was able to spike them down. I got like these heavy duty spikes for like tent spikes, but they're not plastic. They're, they're steel. And in past, I would try to spike these things down, but it would be like, um, frozen turf. So you'd like bend the spikes and all of that. But like now, oh, it's just so smooth to put them down and, and just to put everything out. Um, I'm like, this is just awesome. Like it was so good to put everything out yesterday. And then today it cooled down. Today it cooled down. We went and saw, my daughters and I saw, um, the movie Coco, which, you know, I guess it's okay. Like I'd watch, it's a movie I'd watch once and never would watch again. I didn't quite get the whole gist of Coco. Um, so not really for me, but you know, I did get nachos, um, with jalapenos out of the deal. So that did work out okay. Um, a few things here. Um, just some, just some bizarre, bizarre anecdotes, but you know, bizarre anecdotes are best, uh, are best heard after a short break here from the Safety Doc podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin, author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. And welcome back. Hey, first of all, um, we had a record number of downloads for the Equifax Breach podcast. Uh, a big thanks out to Aaron Clary for giving a shout out on his blog, um, CaptainCapitalism.blogspot.com, for making that happen. And certainly a high interest topic. I think it's one of my better podcasts, so please go in and check it out. Um, it is podcast 51. So, um, but yeah, it, it's, it's amazing because between that and, and, you know, Yahoo and, and some of the other sources, it, it was by far the most down, downloads and views I've ever plays I've ever had of a show. So thank you very much. Um, anecdotes. One is, I don't know if you remember the, 
1970s TV show, Emergency. So I'm watching, I loved Emergency. By the way, there was an Emergency Marathon um, when I was in college. And this was, you know, this back in the 90s. But they showed like all weekend, all the episodes. And I think there were six years that it ran. And I watched like every episode. And actually, like after a while, it's like, oh, like I wasn't, I wasn't into that, but I really love the show. And they had Roy DeSoto and John Gage. So Roy was a little bit older and John was, was younger. Um, and anyway, in one of the episodes I'm watching and, and Roy, okay, Roy says, yeah, my birthday is November 7th. And I'm like, Roy, that's my birthday. I never knew it. Never knew it. So I was kind of like, hey, the birthday, but like the actor Roy, you know, like not his real birthday, but in the in the series. So I just thought that's kind of a cool thing. Um, I did get contacted by Danny Woodburn. Many of you are going to remember um, Danny from his appearance as Mickey Abbott in Seinfeld. You know, Mickey was kind of... Um, uh, had had met Kramer or Kramer had met Mickey it, during acting class and and Mickey had um, you know his seven episodes were all hilarious. It's too bad he didn't have more opportunities because um, those were awesome episodes. Um, I remember one before Christmas where Mickey was I believe an elf and and and, and uh, Kramer was Santa. And, and Kramer was on some anti-communism kick, and then Mickey's like, Kramer? Or he's like, Santa is not a commie, or whatever. But but Mickey just so so much. And I remember, you know, in other movies, other works. But I want to really bring about that Danny Woodburn has done so much in inclusion and and disability awareness and opening doors for people's, people with disabilities um, to the performing arts, to acting. Um, and he... Uh, he has my utmost respect. So thank you, Danny. Danny and I have been in contact, and he is going to be a guest on my show um, after Christmas. So I am so thankful for that. And I have a number of questions kind of set up um, for Danny, and I'll work through those ahead of time. But I, I really want to learn more about how he got into the business and, and also the the actors he saw who could have made it um, but because of maybe a disability or something like that, it, at the time, you know, just didn't get the, get the break and also learn more about what Mickey's doing now because he's made, he's made kind of a shift, um, from being, you know, an, an actor into an actor slash advocate and what that's really like. And does he see himself become, you know, more in the advocate role or not? Because the thing is, like, I wonder, does it, does it favor him to use the persona of Mickey Abbott and just some of his acting things to advance the agenda, which I'm not saying is right or wrong. I'm just wondering, or does he, does he move from that and, and base it upon the professional work he's done in evolving opportunities for people with disabilities? Because that is a very strong resume in and of itself. So, um, but a big thank you out to Danny Woodburn. And I look forward to having having Danny on the show. And and Danny, I I, I have loved your work. And um, and yeah, so it, it, it's it, it, you're a phenomenal person. I, I greatly appreciate it. He was a presenter at Inclusion 2017, a conference in Boston just recently. Sean Iams Fuller, um, a comedian and 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 voiceover and just so much more. Um, Sean is going to be on the show. We're going to work that out. Um, it's funny because, um, Larry Roberts and I did a show where we talked about Sean. Sean had been on Larry's show and, um, we couldn't remember some of the works that, that Sean had, had done. So we had a punt on a few of those and, and, and just one of those, those funny things because, you know, Sean, Sean is phenomenal. Sean is great, but you know, when you're doing live recording, sometimes um, things can slip by you. So Sean is going to be on the show. We're going to be doing it Skype video, um, and we can tell that story more when it gets closer. But I'm very fortunate to have Sean Imes Fuller. Um, he is a tremendous comedian uh, on on the show. That's going to be funny, folks. That is going to be a good time. I think I can keep my own with most comedians. I guess we'll see with with Sean. Uh, I'm a big fan of his work, though, so I'm very, very fortunate for that. Um, I have an interview that will be with Justin Dooley. Justin um, 
we're going to talk about this is Justin is a, a friend of mine um, and very interesting story because he came upon an accident scene about a year ago with his wife on his way to a wedding and so he's all done in his tuxedo and everything and he talks about approaching this accident scene which was a motorcycle driver who had been in an accident um, and actually the motorcycle driver was lucid uh, but he so Justin happens upon the scene and then his reaction to that and I think there is a lot to be discussed and Justin I've had some of these discussions already it, it he's gonna be a lot of fun too um, but you know, like he said, you know, I'm here at my tuxedo and like I have a wedding to go to and there's other people there. So like you kind of got to weigh these things of like, you know, what you help out with, what you don't help out with. And then um, I there are certain times, too, when you have to weigh, like, do you stop and do you help? Because, I mean, for example, um, I drive right now um, the interstate to work and the interstate is completely under um uh, you know, the, there's work being done on the interstate. So, so there's like virtually no place to pull off and the, the traffic patterns are changing all the time. So you, there's no, again, there's no place to pull off. If there is an accident, like if you pull over, there's a likelihood you could be rear ended by someone doing 75 miles an hour. So it's one of those things too, of like, how do you gauge your own safety in these situations? And I think that has to, be a consideration. And one of the things I asked Justin too is like, if you had something different that you could have had in your vehicle at the time that you pulled over to render assistance, what would it be? So we're going to talk about some of these things and, and, and some of the things that have to go through your mind and just preservation of your own safety, especially like right now, when I drive the interstate, honestly, there is, I, I don't know what I would do in some of these circumstances. Um, it's not that you don't want to stop and give aid, but the step, you know, the, the fact that you would stop and, and try to give aid probably puts yourself at extreme risk um, to be harmed. So, you know, do you drive beyond that and then report where that location was? And I, I don't know, but uh, we're going to have a great interview coming up with Justin Dooley. Hey, and um, that is that is going to be the first time we are going to be using my Canon camcorder. Remember we used it with... We had Bree Hansen on for an interview, uh, Dave Hyde. But this time, I just ordered the H4N Pro out of uh, Made by Zoom. And I was able, I, I, I logged into my Amazon account yesterday. And all of a sudden, it popped up underneath. And it's like, hey, right now, if you call Amazon at this number, we will issue you a special discount for this recorder, which had been in my inbox or my save box for a while. So I called and... Um, a tr really nice, nice gentleman to work with. And he knew the equipment. Like, he's like, yeah, I've, I've, I've used this. Like, I don't personally earn it, but, it, you know, I, I don't own it, but I've used it, like, in a band, and I put it up, and it, you know, it's able to um, really record bass well, and that that's pretty hard. So I'm like, wow, like, this guy actually knows, like, all this stuff about it. Really nice guy. And he's like, I'm authorized to give you this percentage discount right now on this. So here's the code. Go in and, like, type it and whatever, and, and I got a pretty substantial amount off this, to, literally to the point where it these things sell so high on eBay that it doesn't make sense to not just buy it new. Because when you buy on eBay, you don't know if somebody has dropped this thing. I mean, most most of the times, I mean, you're, you're going to run in, into good luck, but you don't know if somebody's dropped these things or, or what the deal might be. So I'm like, you know, for the difference in this, it literally was about $30 more than what they were selling for once they get bid up on eBay. So I'm like, I'm looking forward to that, and then I'll order the accessories for it. But I, I can plug it in to my camcorder, and then I can set it up on a little tripod right in front of, of Justin and, and I. So when we do this recording, we're going to have some really phenomenal audio. I also recorded or, or ordered a lapel mic. So when I do some of my, um, I don't know so much of these shows, but when I, and I do fireside chats for the college courses I teach, um, I like to do those in different settings, like sometimes upstairs, like out on my porch in summer if it's really nice. Um, and, you know, the problem with that always was you got a little bit of wind that would interfere with the camcorder, plus the camcorder audio wasn't that good. So this is going to take care of those problems. Um, and it's going to just allow me to do better field interviews. So I'm really looking forward to getting my Zoom 4 uh, H4n. And... Um, yeah, like I, like I said, right now I have a, a Sony handheld recorder, which which has worked well. It worked well through my dissertation, but it only records in mono, and it's it's pretty basic, you know. 
So this is really going to take things up a step. And, and also down here in the studio, I think I'm going to take the camcorder, take an angle shot um, periodically of, of me doing the show, and then also I'm going to switch in the zoom in and out. So we might be doing the show and then also have some some different shots that come in so you're not always seeing seeing the straight on. But um so yeah, I'm pretty excited, you know, about getting the Zoom H4N. I, I do love podcasting. This is episode number fifty two, so um I it, it, I just don't have a good way to, to do a portable recording, so this is gonna change all of that. So yeah, anyway, you know, so the like I said, you know, the Christmas deer are out, the rope light is out, we are in good shape. Um and we are approaching December, and, and we're not supposed to have snow for like two weeks. We're not supposed to have snow for at least two weeks, and I have a pretty good break over Christmas vacation. I, you know, I do do some other things, but, you know, as far as like driving to, to work, I, I have a break off from that. Um, so that's nice because I don't have to drive in snow, but it's really weird. You know, my daughters, we have a, we have a sledding hill out back. Literally, we just walk through our backyard about 80 feet, and then we have the sledding hills on city land. It's really nice. Um, but that's getting to be shorter and shorter every year. You know, you, you kind of get a couple snows and you got to take advantage of it. Um, so, you know, maybe January and, and February, and that's going to be it. So it is changing. I mean, and, and I guess I don't know how I feel about that. Um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I shouldn't say that I miss the snow because I don't. Um, but it is something where... You know, I, I do hope we do have a few snowfalls, you know, at least get my daughters out there and have some sledding opportunities, at least while they're still young. So, but for me running at night, it is so much nicer to be out when there isn't snow. Like when I, when there's snow, I've got to put special cleats on the bottom of my shoes. So I have traction and things like that. So it's just much, much nicer right now. So anyway, today's show is um, titled uh, School trip to dc canceled over fears of mass shooting this is coming from um npr.org by lulu garcia navara okay so she was a host and she interviewed the superintendent jim powell of the north ridgeville city school district so we will get into that in just a moment Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc Podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin, author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. And welcome back to the Safety Doc Podcast with your host, David Proden, a Ph.D. out at UW-Madison, Wisconsin, home right now of your 12-0 Wisconsin Badgers football team. So exciting times. Um, whatever happens, it's been a tremendous season, but, boy, it would be awesome to be national champions. It's actually not too far from where I live. Um so let's talk about this article. This this is a perfect example where rhetoric derails an awesome opportunity for kids and adults. Um, and there's two examples that are pointed out in this this article. So I feel really I feel really bad. I I went through this and and let me just get into it. So basically, um, there were. There were kids from a community about 22 miles outside of Cleveland, Ohio, eighth graders, and they were going to take a field trip to Washington, D.C. Um, parents decided, hey, we don't want this to happen. Washington, D.C. is a terrorist um, threat target. 
and also with the shootings and 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 just the safety of the country and whatever we just, we don't want we don't want this to happen so it's not going to happen so I'm like oh oh like I'm listening to this thing this is just just bad so I'm going to get into my first reactions on this and then I'm going to go into the actual transcription between Lulu Garcia Navarro and the superintendent Jim Paul and I do have to say I, I respect the superintendent Jim Paul um, and his responses in his um, interview with Lulu Garcia Navarra. And I think it does post um, very clearly where rhetoric just goes wild in hysteria and, and overtakes opportunities which really um, kids, should, kids should be afforded, especially in America. But anyway, so this whole thing is canceled because, well, first of all, you know, tw- they live 22 miles outside of Cleveland, but I'll, I guess I'll get into that in a second. So the the, the parents were saying collectively, hey, a mass shooting is possible. But, you know, um, my, my perspective is, and I've had friends who have gone to D.C. in the last year, and they say D.C. is clean. There's a heavy police presence if you're out during the day, especially during, you know, kind of on, on the, the monument row. Um, you know, you feel very, very safe. Um so, but here's the thing, you know, actually there's a handful of cities that are targets for a strategic nuclear detonation. You can look this up on YouTube and, and there are a few people that present on this, you know, such as like a suitcase bomb. Um, you know, a few cities like New York, um, you know, one would be Washington, Los Angeles, uh, maybe Atlanta, a couple others, but, you know, just a handful of cities who would, if there was a strategic nuclear detonation. Now, when we talk about that, that's not like a, an ICBM being launched from somewhere. This is a nuclear bomb which has been um, brought to the site and detonated. There were a number of suitcase-sized nuclear bombs you know, produced in the, what, 1980s, and I believe even 1990s, a number of them have been missing, specifically from the Soviet Union, so that's bad news. Um, but I'm going to raise this arm up. Um, so anyway, um, but yeah, there, there's been, been talk of, you know, what would happen if there was a detonation. So, you know, we don't, we don't hear about this, but it's a really, it's a big concern. And there are not drills that happen in these cities. Um, you know, city safety managers, city safety coordinators are like, we, you know, we don't know how to drill for this. If it, if it happened, it's going to happen so quickly. We're not going to have time to get people to safety. Um, but there, there should be more discussion about what if something like this does happen, um, because it is going to be very disruptive and very destructive in maybe a two, three, four block area. And then of course the cloud of radiation where that would move and radioactive fallout. But outside of the area, you'd have a pretty high rate of, um, survival. Um, but anyway, you know, like this is really the big concern, <laughs> But this isn't what was driving the concern of the parents who, who canceled this. So, um, you know, and, and what would happen from something like this? You know, we think of 9-11 and the stock market crashing after that, just people's trust and run on gas stations. Well, you have something like this happen. Wow, you're going to have, have that multiplied by 10. Um, it's very real, but it's one of those things that's always going to be there every day that we live. Um so the thing is, do we cancel trips? Do we cancel our own travel because of things like this? And what message does this send to students when we say, you know, we're not, you know, we're not wanting you to go to our nation's capital because we don't feel it's safe. And wow. I mean, and, and are these, is this school sending students abroad, um, for semesters and how do they feel about that? But wow. I mean, this whole thing. What message does this send to students? We can't travel in the continental United States because we don't feel our nation's capital, which is very secure. Um, we don't feel we can safely travel there. By the way, we live 22 miles outside of Cleveland. And not to put a knock on Cleveland, but, and I do not want to compare city to city because I've, I've talked numerous times in the identification with schools that the school is the unit of study like you don't compare school a to school district b to school district c and another state and things like that so i'm not going to do that but i'm going to say cleveland itself in in doing a, a lot of research in cleveland you know does 
represent with with you know crime and concern in that area. So you do have students here who live 20 22 miles outside of Cleveland might be going to Cleveland for shopping, for sporting events, for you know visiting people whatever. So um you know it's 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 just like oh like you you have this right here which your students are exposed to um which probably isn't a lot different than Washington, D.C., outside of, like, Washington, D.C. being targeted for possibly, you know, like a large terror attack. But I don't know. Yeah, I was really sad. I was, I was just really sad, flat-out sad by this. So let's go to the original um, uh, original transcript here uh, posted by NPR. So this was on November twentieth, two 2017, and I, I will share out a link to this. So it's actually done as an interview format. I'm going to talk, uh, I'm going to go through some of this to give you some context. So um, Lulu Garcia Navarro was the host, and then she was interviewing Jim Paul. Jim Paul is the superintendent of the school district, Northridge City School District. And I want to hear, I want you to hear the exchange between the two. I'm not going to go through probably everything here, although it's not very long. But I want to point out some very specific things that stand out to me. So one is, so the Lulu Garcia Navarro from NPR's ask, an eighth grade class trip to Washington, D.C. can often be high, a highlight of a grade school. See the White House, meet your member of Congress, Congress. Um, but students from North Ridgeville City School District outside of Cleveland, Ohio, were notified recently their D.C. trip was canceled. Administrators call it off because of fears of a terrorist attack or a mass shooting. Okay, so now let's first just put this in context. November 20th, 2017. So within the last um, two months, not even two months, we had the the Vegas shooting, and then we also had the Sutherland Springs shooting. So um, those things are very – and plus um, somebody running, what, um, was it in – I forget if it was, if it was Washington or if it was New York or where it was, somebody ran a vehicle, um, up onto a, um, running bike, you know, pathway and, and had killed some people. So all of these things that happened in a short amount of time. So, um, so superintendent, superintendent Paul. Um, Garcia Navarro from NPR asked, so this must have been a tough call to cancel this. To cancel this must have been a tough call. And Superintendent says, yeah, yeah, very tough, very tough call. Okay, um, Navarro from NPR, can you give us a sense of why you decided to make it? The superintendent responds, well, started school year, we had parent meetings, and we had several parents express concerns about the safety of the trip. You know, it's an eight-hour trip sending kids away from their homes. That's huge. Well, I mean... Yeah, I mean, but eight hours by bus, I don't know. I People are going away from, from home. People are going on other, other trips. What if people are going to Macy's to perform in the Macy's Day Parade or going down to Florida or to perform in a Disney Parade or something like that? I don't, I, I don't know. I don't really get that. So, um, so anyway, um, so the NPR reporter ask, is this unusual, though? I mean, I, I imagine that these class trips take place every year. Why are so many parents deciding that their kids shouldn't go? And the superintendent responds, you know, the other issue that has come up, the instant in Manhattan, okay, so there it was, where the person drove up on the walking trail. I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to stop you right there. The other issue that came up, the instant in Manhattan where the person drove up on the rhetoric on the walking trail. This is rhetoric. Okay. This is rare um, that this happened. And and you are now transposing this of saying this event which happened in 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 Manhattan is likely to happen in Washington DC. So we're not going to send our kids there. We're not going to have them walking around and somebody, you know, uh, run over them with cars. So it's this media rhetoric which has taken place. It's 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 infiltrated the minds of parents of saying, you know what, these people are on walking trails. Nobody's safe anywhere. Okay, this is going to be interesting going a little bit later into this. So, um, so yeah, um, 
So the reporter from NPR says, you know, down near the World Trade Center, and, and the superintendent says, yeah, you know, as students walk in Washington, they walk along the road, and there's nothing keeping them from the traffic. So our teachers were concerned about that. That's not true. That's not true. Um, there are several barriers. Washington is actually very well um, defended against um, vehicle attacks, and it's also very, very heavily policed and has a strong um, security presence through proactive visual security, visual security system surveillance. So Washington is actually very, very safe. And just think of like Monument Mall and 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 going to see, um, you know, going to see that. There's a very, very high police presence. So I that doesn't hold water to me at all of saying your students are going to walk. It's, it, your students aren't walking down the road, man, it's, it, it, in Washington. You know, they, they're walking along designated walk areas there are you know curb um you know the, the the things where it's harder to to you know use a vehicle to go and and cause mass harm to people and, and this could happen anywhere you know so again this this to me um now the superintendent is being very direct in in what he was being told what he was being informed and i appreciate him for that so i'm not trying it all to to grill um, the superintendent Paul in this, but Garcia Navarro from NPRS may I ask you, sir, is this the first time that you've ever had a cancel trip like this because of these fears? And the superintendent Paul responds, "It is not. When I was not a superintendent, I was actually the assistant superintendent. That was, um, I was in a." different district at that time. So, you know, I'm, I'm reading this as it's transcribed. But, yes, a lot of district canceled trips for students back when 9-11 occurred. Back when 9-11 occurred. Okay. Why did they do that? It's the rhetoric. It was the fear that we're going to have another attack. And then also, like, how do we get our students home if anything like this happened? So, but the fact was we had heightened security. 9-11 was an isolated event. It was horribly tragic, but it was an isolated event. And canceling these trips following 9-11, um, and for how long that happened, it's, it's, it's really hard to, to say. But, um, but this is where the rhetoric comes into play, making you feel unsafe. And that just wasn't the case. And if you were in, um, New York that day and you were, not in the Twin Towers, um, you know, you were largely safe from these events. Traumatized, very possibly, but you were safe from these these events. So um, Garcia Navarro from NPR responds, We've seen incidents can occur just about anywhere, whether in a small town or in a big city. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. Okay. So the NPR reporter jumps in, and and so so far they've talked about Manhattan, and they're talking about you know Washington D.C. But so the NPR reporter says we've seen instances can occur just about anywhere, whether in a small town or a big city. Small town Sutherland Springs, okay. Small town Sutherland Springs or a big city, okay. And and Garcia Navarro goes on. And they're just not about terrorism. You know, in California, just this past week, a shooter got into a kindergarten. And what saved the kids uh, was that they had a protocol. They had a lockdown to have these these protocols in place at your school. Okay. So, like, right here, I am just completely baffled of how the NPR reporter goes from talking about this trip to suddenly focusing it on what's the school safety in your individual school? Like that completely turns the table on the superintendent. It was not a fair question to ask. It was more of an obvious rhetorical question to ask. Um, and so the superintendent responds, well, certainly, we certainly do. Yes, yes. Um, and, and Garcia Navarro from NPR responds, is there a sense though that this really could happen anywhere? And the superintendent, Paul responds, I certainly, have that sense, and I worry about it all the time. It's a little easier to c- control if they're in their home, where they're typically at, whether that be the school or whether their home environment. But you're exactly right. 
Okay. And then Garcia Navarro from NPR responds. Were you surprised that this should come up now? I mean, in is the world so different today than it was a year or two years ago? Okay, now that doesn't really make sense to me because they're already talking about like a year or two years ago, but he's talking, he mentioned earlier that after September 11th, he experienced a lot of schools canceling trips. So, you know, he's talking 16 years ago. So this is really a bizarre question for the reporter to ask. Is the world a lot different than it was a year or two ago? But anyway, um, you know, do people feel that they need to hold on to their kids and keep them safe? So the superintendent responds, and I really like this. He responds, I'm not judging anyone. And if they feel that way, they feel that way. It's surprising to me. I've gone to Washington, D.C., and I've taken all my kids. So it's, I think they feel like this is my responsibility as a parent. I'll do it. At least I know my kids are safe. And it's not falling on the responsibility of people that are not their parents. So if that's their choice, I totally understand that. So, whoa, whoa, okay? So the superintendent comes out right here, and he says, you know what? I've taken my kids to D.C. Like, just recently, we've gone to D.C. Like, um, sees the value in Washington, D.C., and is is saying, yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised they came to this conclusion. Does a nice job, though, of, of not undermining the decision of the parents, and I'm sure that there was a lot of debate probably went into this. Um, but, again, the parents are so convinced with the rhetoric and once people get convinced with the rhetoric it's impossible to change their 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 mind they they will double down you can show them the facts of saying you know what your likelihood of being you know having anything happen to you on washington right now versus five years ago or any other place is is null and they'd be like well we're doubling down because we just had this vegas thing and whatever it's like well you're not going to uh you know, a dance performance of 20,000 people at night, you're out during daylight, you're with a group, which increases, you know, your safety, you're in a high-prevalence police area, you know where you're going to be, you can choose the areas that you're going to stay, which are which are deemed safer. Um, so it, it's it's really tough, especially when the superintendent comes out and says, you know, I take, I've taken my own, I've taken my own kids there. So um, I just, I just want to wrap, I just want to, Reflect on this. This bothers me substantially. This bothers me because um, this is one example where eighth graders were denied an opportunity to go to their country's capital to see the Lincoln Memorial, Washington Monument, just to to be there. (coughs) Excuse me. I had friends who went there. Um, this past summer and, and just one, one thing they told me right away is, well, the city's really clean. And we saw like a police, a police presence definitely. And, and we, we really, really loved the, you know, the, the monuments and, and the history. And, and we felt very safe. There were a lot of things to do. And it's not like school groups don't go there all the time. And you could have worked on this to set up ahead of time that you meet with a school that's there or you have a, a, you know, a chaperone from the area who takes you around or something like that. But again, I'm, I'm reading this. It's not the superintendent's fault. The superintendent does, you know, it, what he or she is directed to do by the, the school board and, um, you know, by the, the parent groups. And, and this was the decision, you know, made by the parent groups and there was no changing their opinion. And especially when the rhetoric happens of, you know, the context. This is what I call this projected benchmarking. And I talked about this a few podcasts ago. But you have, like, the Vegas shooter who, you know, attacks at at night from an elevated position. And and then Sutherland Springs, which was more probably a domestic issue, um, you know, leading into that. But, But people then transpose this. And they're like, and this could happen here. And what if it happens in Washington? And now, you know, we, we have some friction with, with North Korea. So, you know, Washington could be a target and all of this. You can go endlessly down this. But at the same time, are you not, you, you're denying your students of this wonderful experience. 
And now you also have Cleveland 22 miles away. So um, I went through and did a number of, of reviews of Cleveland for violent crime and, and just safety and things like that and, and found, you know, Cleveland's a difficult place to navigate in, in a lot of aspects. So in a certain way, are you telling your students, by the way, 22 miles away, Cleveland isn't very safe. So, you know, we're not going, to, are we still going to do things in Cleveland? And if so, um, how are we going to manage that when we've also said we're not going to Washington, D.C.? So it's uneasy, but I, I just think this was a hugely wrong decision. And now these kids go through with the fear. And I talked about this with Aaron Clary on an interview, Aaron Clary, Captain Capitalism, um, captaincapitalism.blogspot.com, but has written several books, one is Reconnaissance Man. But Reconnaissance Man talks about being 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, getting out and and getting across the country, if not the world, and, and, and learning of the different places that are out there, and then doing a follow-up on that of places you thought, I'm really interested in, in here, like possibly for living or working or something like that, not just being like raised and and being told like the world is a place that is unsafe and and you can't traverse and 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 you you can't formulate these these opinions uh, based upon your own experiences. So this type of thing um, that goes on of saying we're not going to Washington D.C. even as a group, um, we're not going to the nation's capital because of the threat of terrorism and you know um, active shooter. It really changes anybody's likelihood to be a reconnaissance student, be a reconnaissance person. It makes you think twice about that when your adults are already telling you, oh, it's not safe to go here or go here. Um, it, it really goes against what Aaron states in his book. I side with Aaron. I, I agree with what Aaron says in his book and his approach to reconnaissance and Unfortunately, you know, we have an instance here, and I'm sure this happens more often than not right now, where we have eighth graders denied an opportunity of a lifetime and a perspective to see. You know, some of these kids might not have ever been out of, where was it here, Northridge City. Um, they might have never really left their city, and you could have taken them and given some exposure to um, you know, the East Coast to where, um, you know, the, the founding of democracy for America and, and, and just exposure. I, I remember, um, I went to, I went to Boston, uh, back in 1997. I went to Boston with my good friend Jeff and, uh, he, he won tickets actually to a Packers, uh, Patriots game and it was the Super Bowl rematch. Is at Gillette Stadium. Interesting, but uh, we walked. Bo we walked Boston. A few things struck me about Boston. Um, one is during the day, like people were very formal, like formal, like it was back then. So it was what oh, I said, ninety-seven. You know, dress shoes, more formally dressed. Um, and and um, we were, we felt very confident being in Boston. People were very friendly. It was an experience I I felt helped me grow a lot. We stayed out in Boston at night. We kind of knew where we were going. Um, and we did, um, you know, of course we went to the game. It was funny because, you know, we sat in an all Patriots section, but the people were very nice to us. After a while, we took our cheese heads off because like that wasn't, <laughs> you know, you don't want to draw that much attention to yourself, but people are very nice to us. Like we have people around us who are very nice to us. Uh, you know, and it was a wonderful experience from the, the airport. We never had anybody be angry toward us. We found it very cordial. Um, but it was, it was one of those things. And again, this is, this is pre, I guess, what the modern terrorist attack time would be. But we could have easily, I, I could have easily said, I'm not going to do it because, you know, there's been terrorist attacks out on the East Coast. The the World Trade Center had its first, you know, terror attack. Um, you know, in in the basement level, and just say, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it. I just don't feel safe. I don't. I'm, it's out of my comfort zone. 
Um, but I didn't. I'm so glad that I, I did that experience and I was out there and also flying, you know, because this whole thing too of, you know, security and airports was really ramping up back then, you know, starting to, to go through all of your bags and your luggage and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, I, I just think the rhetoric won in this case. I appreciate superintendent. His name was Jim Paul. He was very level. And I like how he brought in kind of that last part of saying, you know, I went there with my kids and, and you know, if I, I felt it was a beneficial experience, DC, but not also going against, you know, what his, his parents and supporting his parents. But it's just sad. It's just sad for me that this is where we're at right now. Um, and, and that these type of decisions are being made, uh, because we will never eradicate the chance of risk anywhere. I mean, Think of the London bombings, you know, where double-decker buses would be bombed, or Japan had the toxic chemicals released in the subways years ago. Um, and, and just these types of things can happen anywhere. Um, they're highly unfortunate, but, um, again, I mean, if we are in – I would feel – fully confident going to Washington, D.C. as in a group during a day, especially if I had some kind of tour guide with me, um, I, I would feel confident with that. And if we can't feel confident going to our nation's capital and, and going to where the monuments are, um, I think that is such a shame. It, it, it is such a shame. Um, I, I, I don't know. It really strikes me, folks. It, it really does. So I'm going to close here by, again, uh, giving a, a thank you out to uh, John Grant and the 405 Media for airing the Safety Doc podcast, 2 p.m. PST. And, again, you are going to see everything in back of you. And the signage is pretty cool, isn't it, folks? But that's going to all be moved around, and, and I'm going to be doing that here, I think, probably tomorrow. Um and a thank you to Sprigio, S-P-R-I-G-E-O, for sponsoring the show, Sprigio.com out of California, the nation's leader in school bullying and threat um, assessment um, that, that's going into the Sprigio dashboard, the input system, um, having much success with that. And also a shout-out to uh, Captain Capitalism, Aaron Clary, is on it has the Clary podcast um three o'clock PA uh PM PST on the four oh five media dot com. Riley Random with Larry Roberts on the weekends on the four oh five media. It's is the four oh five media is a group of extraordinary podcasters. You can go in and get a a real smorgasbord of podcasts. So your podcast thirst can be met through the four oh five media. Um and a a thank you out to um, the Sustainable Living Podcast with Marianne West. Again, the the podcasts that are kind of my go-tos right now. And the Black Brigade, mostly if you go in, um, I think DT, I don't know if it used to be DT and the man, but it's weird because like there are very few followers and it's a, it's an excellent, very intellectual, engaging podcast. Um, most of his stuff I think right now is on YouTube. So you'd have to go into search the Black Brigade on YouTube. I could be wrong with this. Like I, I've just kind of started to follow him, but I really like his, his stuff too. So, um, again, for those of you, um, I, I'm putting together my Christmas, uh, shopping list here with my, my daughters and getting a head start on that. Looking forward to the zoom mic coming in and hopefully I can figure that out. Um, but it is going to give me an opportunity to do a lot more things in the field and a lot more field interviews, which I want to do. I wish I would have had it back when I interviewed Preston Rice and we did all of the stuff about the uh, drones. Um, that would have, would have really been a help to the, to the audio in that. So, um, again, thank you so much. You are not the typical audience. You're intellectual and I appreciate that. And I appreciate the followership. Go in at safetybhd.com to learn more about the show. I do post a blog along with every show. So thank you so much. And, um, hey, share it with your friends. And let's get more followers. I'm up almost about 1,600. I was at 300 in Disney in March. I remember how excited I was. I was like, yeah, 300. Now almost 1,600. So um, please go in follow the show. Thank you very much. Stay safe, everybody.